As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Game Podcast. I'm Alison Rudd. This week I'm joined by Ben Smith, Oliver Kay, and don't worry, he's still here. Gab Marcotti is joining us from New York. Today we're going to discuss two cunning plans, how Newcastle outwitted Arsene Wenger and how Roy Hodgson masterminded the 2-0 defeat of the champions. Plus, after a rollercoaster week, we see just how much of a breakthrough Tottenham have made. Okay, two events at Anfield. And I think Liverpool took practically everybody by surprise, certainly the bookies. Um, Outstanding performance in the first half where they were far, far grittier in midfield than Chelsea, who who looked like the Chelsea of old, used to go to Anfield and be sort of scared of being there. Um, Ben, did you you think Roy Hodgson outwitted Chelsea? Uh, I would like to think he did, but I think it was probably more a case of the players stepping up. I I think for the first time this season we really saw the the hunger and the fight return to the Liverpool midfield, where Lucas Leiva was particularly outstanding, I think. And, of course, uh, a a big difference for Liverpool was the the performance of Fernando Torres. It's are we going to see the real Fernando. Did we see him? Well, we we saw the real Fernando Torres in terms of... the sort of effort he played with, and, and, and the spark, and, and the, the, the way he took his, his goals, I still don't think he's quite there in terms of his pace. Uh, you know, measuring up to how he was a couple of seasons ago, and I, I would love to see some pros and stats on, on what, what kind of pace he's performing at this season. But I've got to say, I mean, people have been talking about Fernando Torres as if he doesn't care, and as if, you know, as if there's suddenly a big difference in him since the World Cup and that kind of thing. And I, I think an awful lot of it comes down to the fact that Liverpool haven't been playing well. Liverpool haven't given him any service. It's very, it's probably hard to look like you don't care in a team that's playing well. It's hard to look like you do care in a team that's playing as badly as Liverpool have been, booting the ball into chance for him to chase and, and, and just giving him no hope. It's probably easy to look forlorn um, without it necessarily being a, um, I think, a case of state, state of mind. I, I think... The key to it is Liverpool played well yesterday. He played well yesterday. I think if Liverpool keep playing well, I think he'll play well. Can can we just clear up a technical point for my own peace of mind more than anything? In commentary on Sky, Andy Gray said Torres scuffed that first goal. I thought it was genius. I thought he knew exactly what he was doing. The way to beat Czech was to kick the ball into the ground and bounce the ball over the top of him. Could we go around the panel, starting with Gab, who we haven't heard from yet? Was that a genius goal or was it just a bit lucky? I don't think that it's genius. I mean, I think from that position, um, good strikers sometimes know how to hit the ball that way. So, no, it didn't look like a scuff to me. Good. Ollie? 
No, it didn't look like a scuff. It might have been a scuff, but I've seen players fish like that many times, and you know, I think it's a recent trend, really, that people do that, and maybe Andy Gray needs to um, take a bit more of a careful look at things. Maybe yeah. Andy Gray never did that in his career, so... <laughs> he doesn't know what it is. conceive of it. Um, Andy Gray never scored with his feet, so it's not surprising. <laughs> ben, it was a genius? Uh, again, I think I'll go with Ollie. I'm not sure it was quite genius, but it was a very clever finish, I think. And his 44th goal in 47 league games at Anfield which is quite an amazing stat when you think about the problems he's had with injuries um, Gab what, was it also about Chelsea being without key players I know you love SEN and they missed him and they, they had a pretty a pretty lightweight midfield was, was that really the problem for them yeah, I mean, in, 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 in terms of sort of, you know, muscle, I mean, when, when, when Lamps is out and when, you know, Essien, who, as you know, is the whole freaking show, when he's out, you know, you're going to be, you, you're going to have the players that, that you have. Uh, apart from Mikel, those are sort of lightweight players. I guess he tried to go for quickness. And, of course, with Drogba um, not starting the game, uh, you know, you, you were at a disadvantage. I, I don't think Ancelotti was happy at all. Um, in fact, I know he wasn't happy at all with the way Chelsea played in the first half. I think he, he felt that with the squad he has, uh, they should have definitely done better. But, you know, you have to also give, give credit to Liverpool. They came out of the bat very quickly. And I'm glad uh, earlier we had that shout-out to, to Lucas Leva, you know, one of the many um, supposed turds that uh, Benitez left behind on Roy Hodgson's doorstep. And funny enough, you know, Paulson's out, Leva in, and, and they actually do a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, Ancelotti could not have known that Lucas was going to have the best game of his Liverpool career. And at the end, I thought it was significant that that, that um, Stevie G, he he embraced Lucas. And get, I mean, that, that, was, that was pretty significant, I thought, didn't you? You think Ben? He actually thought it, he did his work for him. Absolutely, I think Lucas has attracted a lot of unfair criticism over, over the last season or two. He's become a bit of a lightning rod for that, and uh, I think this season he's had a bit of a chance to to work himself out in a, in a, a team that's been struggling. But yesterday he really came through and, and looked like a, a player. I think that Benitez thought he bought last two years ago. And Ollie, you were there, weren't you? Is is the mood amongst the the, the people who who report on Merseyside week in week out that that Roy Hodgson they might have misunderstood him and he might have a point when it comes to that his self belief as a good manager? Well, I think um, to me it seems to me it seems Liverpool are playing a lot differently to how they played how they were playing a month ago or three weeks ago. If you, if you look at their performances. Um, well, I'll take the Bolton game. You look at the, Black, the Blackburn game uh, and, and yesterday's game. Liverpool actually performed at high intensity. They were pressing high up the pitch. They were hustling the opposition into mistakes. And that's what Liverpool were always good at under Benitez. They, you know, they were never a, a, a team that played football like Arsenal play. They, they were a team that you know, played at that kind of intensity. And it seems to me that they've got back to that way of playing. Now, I don't... I mean, this will sound like a criticism of Hodgson. It's not intended that way, but it seems like Liverpool... Hodgson has got Liverpool playing by going back to his... going back to their old ways rather than rather than to his ways. I, I don't... I think the football that they played in the first month was month or so was probably more similar to the kind of cagey-type football that they played at times at Fulham. And I think, I think he has probably... Adapted to their strengths as much as um, the other way around, really. Oh, I would, I, Gab, do you, I mean, I would disagree with that. I think they look more like Fulham when, on a good day yesterday. Anfield four four two. What do you think, Gab? Is is is, yeah, is I'm, Roy- I'm, I'm 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 more with I'm, I'm more with Ollie. I think what we saw was 
um, Liverpool sort of reverting to, to what worked before, especially pressing. I mean, you know, with Fulham, you, you got very little of that. You had a lot more of it, I thought, uh, at Anfield this weekend. I mean, there's no right way to play, but obviously if, you know, if you've got certain players out, if, if, if you've got players who, you know, of, of the new guys, of course, no Paulson, no Joe Cole, you know, you, you're in a situation where... You know, you, you might as well pl- go back to the original plan, and, um, and 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 I think it largely worked, and I don't think it was a coincidence. And I think what's interesting too is, uh, you know, a, with with Damian Kamali on board now, I think the, the the situation's changed a little bit for Roy Hodgson. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that I think the, the new ownership uh, they don't. You know, they don't, they don't want to sack Hodgson at the end of the season or at the end of next season or whatever. But by the same token, they realize he's not going to be there for, you know, the the next sort of five to ten years and, and build a, a, a dynasty. Um, so the idea of bringing Kamali in is a way to prepare for the future. Um, regardless of who, uh, of whether Hodgson puts them in a position where they have to let him go, or whether Hodgson does fairly well, I, I, I think that the balance of power will will, will shift at least as, as uh, personnel decisions uh, are concerned. And Ben, finally on Liverpool, I mean Dirk Kout playing up front is that the future? I know Fernando Torres has not always said he he well he's always said he's enjoyed playing up front on his own. I, I think this season he's looked very isolated. And Cap just fitting in there between the lines made a difference, certainly for Liverpool. You know, he, he worked so hard. He's tireless yesterday. His performance was excellent, and I think that pass for the first goal, you know, showed what he is capable of. Whether that's the long-term strategy for Hodgson and Liverpool, I'm not sure, but it certainly worked yesterday. I think but it should maybe be. Maybe the time of 2010, you know, who seems to have lost something physically. I suppose to keep banging on about that, and, and seems not to have quite the confidence. To, to take on teams on his own, maybe he could do with the support. I mean, on, on, it's, it's similar to people talked about Rooney in the same way. Maybe Rooney should get back to, you know, maybe Rooney should have been played up front on his own in the World Cup. I thought Rooney shouldn't have been played up front on his own in the World Cup because he didn't seem he, he didn't seem at that point to have um, enough about him mentally or physically to do that. And I, I think Torres similarly could probably probably appreciate and benefit from the the, the assistance that can be given. Anyway, moving on to um, a shock result at the Emirates. Joey Barton said afterwards they had a very, very clear plan. They were going to focus on uh, goalkeeping weaknesses at Arsenal, suck the goalkeeper out, get a goal and then just defend very well, which is exactly what they did do. Um, And it sort of makes Arsenal look a little, I don't know, naive. Is, Is that the word, Gab? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's, it's. I don't think it's naive. This is the, this is the way Arsenal play. If, if you know, if you if you if you go there, um, you know, you, first of all, you can't go out there and say, oh look, their their goalkeeper's not very good. Let's go and make them, um, you know, make him make a mistake, suck him out, or, or or whatever. There's no such, you know, that's not a realistic game plan. You go out there, you 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 nick a goal if you can, and and and, and you defend in numbers, and, and you defend well, and you defend intelligently, and and and, and Newcastle did that. Um, but you know, it's not the first time this season that, that Arsenal have had a have had a rough ride of it at, at home, and and I'm wondering if I'm wondering if there's something else uh, at play there. Ben, is there something sinister going on? I mean, the crowd, the, the Arsenal crowd, don't help. That's for sure. No, I, I think miserable bunch. <laughs> they, they perhaps could have been behind their team a bit more tomorrow, but I, I can't help thinking that this goalkeeper issue is a problem that Wenger should have dealt with a long time ago. 
Um, he hasn't had a, a recognised number one in there for for a long time. Fabianski is, to me, isn't the long term solution. I still think it's an issue and an area that Arsenal had to deal with. But, I don't but know. Ben, Ben, yeah. Ben, sorry, yeah. but I mean, Fabianski's played well the he last has, few outings. Yeah. No, Almunia, there were people who wanted him to start for England until like two years ago. I mean. Make up. Let's make up our minds a little bit. If if, we, if he goes and spends, you know, ten million pounds on a real goalkeeper, then and then when he's criticised for being profligate, and, and if he goes and you know gets a Spanish no name and turns him into an okay goalkeeper, and then tries to find a couple of young goalkeepers and takes a stab at it that way, and we still criticise him. No, but I'd still argue that Arsenal don't have the same class of goalkeeper that the rest of the top four do. Ah, even, well, even Liverpool, you know, you look at Rayner. I think, as we know, that Arsenal are very interested in Rayner in the summer. Uh, and I think, you know, he still needs to address that as far as I'm concerned. I, I just don't think Fabianski or Almunia are of the quality necessary to help Arsenal win the league. Ollie, is it a red herring to always bang on about Arsenal's goalkeepers? There's, there's a bigger problem there. I think the goalkeeping thing is one very big issue for Arsenal uh, and one that they just need to... Uh, Resolve uh, and that has been left unresolved for too long. But I think there are other issues that have, have been mentioned a lot over the last few years, uh, such as the central defence. I mean, if you, if you look at Skilacci, Koscielny, both of them did okay on their on their introduction to the Premier League in, in August September. But they seem to have um, they seem to have struggled the last few weeks. I think they seem to struggle against players like Andy Carroll and. Um, I mean, that seems to be one issue. I think generally that the, the lack of experience. It, it, in the team is a problem, and I, 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 I mean, I, I don't think anyone would criticise um, Wenger if he went out and bought a, a top-class goalkeeper, if he bought an experienced uh, figure who, who, who could lead the team, whether it's in central defence or central midfield. And I think that that is all that they lack. They, they, they're just lacking those two areas. And I think maybe if they had if they resolved one of those areas, they would be a very good, you know, a, a better team. Maybe if they resolved both of those things, that they would be. Uh, the best team in the league I don't know but it, 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 these do seem to be persistent problems Gab if it's not if the goalkeepers aren't as bad as everyone says is it what is it with Arsenal is it indiscipline I mean they've had they get they've had four red cards already this season and they they play beautifully and then they turn it off they don't seem to have a sort of discipline that, that, that you obviously need to be in the top four no, I, 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 I think the discipline point, I, th- I think, is a good one. I, 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 and I'm not, and it's not just, not just the cards, but sometimes it's fouls when, when people get dragged out of position. Sometimes when, when they lose possession, they're not as quick as they should, and and, and, and getting back into it, and then players are, are forced to foul, and they give up free kicks from dangerous areas. I also think one other aspect is I think there's certain players. Um, I'm thinking of uh, Andrea Chauvin in particular, who simply aren't pay- playing up to their, their transfer fee and, uh, and, and, and to their wages, in my opinion. So, you know, you've got a mixture. I mean, while I think Nasri has been very good this season, um, I, I think Shamak has been better probably than some have expected, but, you know, has basically done what, at least what I expected him to do. Um, you know, Walcott's been injured in and now. I, I, I think in some ways the guy's been missing missing his Rashad. And let's not forget, this is a guy who, you know, Euro 2008 when Hitting was in charge of Russia, you know, some people were talking about as one of the top five players in the world and so on. And what we've seen from him is, is, is I think, not enough production, certainly not enough leadership. And um, I, it looks to me like, <laughs> it looks to me like, like a guy who's kind of, you know, completing his prison sentence in, 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 in the Premier League and would so obviously rather be elsewhere. It's 
talking of leadership, is, talking of leadership, isn't isn't the part of the problem with Chris Hewton not getting a new contract is that he's not seen as, as as having the charisma to handle big stars who seem to be on the front page of the tabloids every other day. I think there's certainly the sense that he isn't the big name that Newcastle fans want and feel they deserve. Um, but having said that, and we've talked about Arsenal's problems, I think Newcastle deserve a lot of credit for the performance yesterday. You know, he, he set them up very well. Fortunate with the goal, perhaps, that it was a mistake by Fabianski, but their defen- a mistake they knew would happen. Perhaps, yeah, but they defended for their <laughs> lives. And, and I think the victory over Sunderland last week, the victory at Arsenal this week, shows that perhaps although Hutton has had problems with his players off the field. Um, on the field, he is getting it right for Newcastle. But Gab, you could flip it on its head, couldn't you? You could say, what an a, even more outstanding manager Hooten is. He obviously knows the players really well because he's been with them for so long. Sometimes as standing manager, dep- you know, deputy to somebody and eventually getting the job full time. And even though they do, they do seem pretty intent on doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, they still produce it on the pitch. I mean, that makes him marvellous manager, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I certainly think it does. I've got a lot of time for this guy. I don't, this whole idea, we deserve the big name manager. And, and, and I also have to laugh when people come out with that because it seems that, you know, as far as certain sectors of the media are concerned, is that, you know, there's only three big name managers right now out there, either Martin O'Neill or Goose Hiddink or Jose Mourinho. It's always the same three names, you know, who get thrown around. And two of them, of course, are totally unrealistic for, for Newcastle right now. So, I, I you know, you, you can point like, oh, look, you know, Andy Carroll and, and Kevin Nolan, because that's who we're talking about. Um, get themselves into trouble. But look, Joey Barton's on the straight and narrow now, and, and there's no big-name manager keeping him on the straight and narrow. You know, how do we explain that? I mean, they, you know, I, I think most of the rest of the team is generally relatively well-behaved off the pitch. It's just, <laughs> you know, the, 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 this one gigantic, you know, weirdo up front and, and, and Kevin Nolan who's been led into uh, led into temptation. Um, but, you know, you, you are going to have a, a, a few uh, occasional, occasional bad eggs. Um, no, I think Hewton's done a good job, and I think this also gets us away. I think from this idea of you know the manager who walks around in the suit and only shows up and uh, uh, at the training ground sort of Thursday uh, and, and Friday, and then does the game on Saturday. But you know, Hewton's a guy who's who's actually there. He's worked with these players day in day out for several years now, and. You know, if they can reach an agreement on his contract and pay him the right price, I, I don't see why he's why he wouldn't be the right guy to take Newcastle forward. Ollie, you have the last word on this, not only because I value your opinion, but because you're sat in the rain somewhere in the north and we can't hear you very well. So just tell us, how amazed are you by how well Newcastle have done? I am amazed. Uh, I didn't expect to go down, but they have surpassed all expectations, as have the other two newly promoted teams. Players have to take a lot of and there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Visions of Ollie Kay being <laughs> washed down the river in the M6 somewhere. I don't know what's up to me. M1. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Now it's time for the big debate. Picture this scenario. Spurs shrug off defeat to Bolton. They win their Champions League group and make the quarterfinals. Problems at Man City mean Tottenham easily finish fourth. They re-qualify for the Champions League and push for the title in 2012. Or how about this? The European campaign affects Tottenham's league performances. They finish sixth. Harry takes the England job and Bale, Van der Vaart and Modric all make big money moves away from White Hart Lane. Spurs slip back among the also-rans. So... This is the debate. Can that dynamic side from last week kick on and become a major European force? Or does the panel, which now comprises a slightly smaller group of people, expect more results, such as the Bolton match on Saturday? What now for Spurs? What what, what are you supposed to do if you're Harry Redknapp, Ben? What do you do? What do you do? Do you think, well, I, he's constantly saying after every match, there's no point, you know, there's no point worrying about Champions League. We're only going to be in it again if we win it. So we have to look at the league. It's, but that seems a bit un-Harry-like and a bit unromantic. I think it is the unromantic truth that the Spurs need to to wake up to, really, because although nights like Inter and and um, nights they will have this season in the Champions League will will be the ones the fans will remember. The bread and butter is always the league, and I think everyone kind of saw that fixture against Bolton away on Saturday and immediately thought that's a tricky one. You know, who wants to? pick themselves up after that go up north and probably get a kick or two on a cold Saturday afternoon in Bolton and, and you know everyone kind of thought it was going to happen and it did where Harry Redknapp goes from here I, I think Tottenham will begin to learn how to overcome these European nights and, and pick themselves up and I'm still fairly confident they'll be there or thereabouts come come the end of the season and and probably will qualify for fourth place. But, but Ben, Ben, are, are you mistaking Bolton for for Stoke <laughs> or or like Bolton circa you know 2004 in the Allardyce era? I mean, th- th- this idea that yes, Bolton's up north, but this is a different team. This isn't your granddad. No, Bolton. sure. This is Owen Coyle. This is you know they, they went out there to to, to to play football, and Spurs knew they were they were facing. I also Spurs have have gone and you know played physical teams before, and which Bolton I don't think are particularly, and 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 done. Okay, this season. No, I'd agree with you, Gab. I, th- I think I was probably doing own call and justice there, but uh, it was always going to be a tricky game, was my point, and, and it, necess- it wasn't necessarily the glamour tie that Inter Milan was on the Tuesday night. Uh, I, I just think games like that are always going to be tricky straight after a Champions Gab, League. Gab, Gab, this isn't this isn't a debate about how Bolton did play pretty pretty darn well on Saturday. This is a, ba- a debate about what you do you do if you're a club who have not used they're not used to having to balance the glorious nights in Europe with trying to make sure they finish in the top four again which was in itself a surprise what you know you say Gab you are now suddenly put in charge of Tottenham how do you balance that what on earth do you do well, first of all the guy who's in charge of Tottenham isn't Harry Redknapp so it's not up to him to balance much I mean he balances the playing squad the the, the, the guy who's going to make these decisions is is Daniel Levy and and I think he's you know in, in the scenario outlined before you know the the, the big sales of Bale and um, uh, and Van der Fart and, uh, and, and Modric um they're only going to happen if all of a sudden, you know, Joe Lewis decides he wants to take his money out, or the club stop being profitable, or, or, or whatever. So, you know, those players will presumably remain for the foreseeable future. If they're sold, they'll be sold for much more than they're than they're worth. If Levy's been fairly shrewd, um, I, I think, in, uh, in in terms of buying and selling players, in terms of you know doing so at the right price. We can disagree about the, the actual identity of the players because, of course, that oftentimes that's been down to, 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 to the manager. Um, I think the future is 
relatively bright. I, I don't think it's still the, the best assorted squad. I think you have certain situations where, you know, I, I, I don't see the logic in spending a lot of money for a guy like Palacios, for example, and then deciding you like Huddleston best. And I think, you know, the, the coaching staff there, while I think I actually have a lot of time for Harry Redknapp, you know, I don't see how, you know, you can kind of, you know, overlook Bale for all that time. Although you got to give him, give Harry credit for, for bringing in Tim Sherwood, who, uh, as I understand it, has worked with Bale very well. Um, and, and helped him get to this level of form. But um, I, I, I don't think that you know failure to qualify for the Champions League uh, uh, next season would necessarily be a disaster for Spurs. I think the way for them to kick on is to, is to develop some of their players who are still going to get better. And, and, and obviously Bale's one of them, Huddleston's one of them. And then really make a lot of difficult decisions in, in the boardroom. You know, it's great. You've got 11 defenders, central defenders, or however many they have, but you know, a whole bunch of them are injured all the time. Others are, are veterans where you don't really know if they're going to be part of the picture in a year or two. I think this is going to be the summer where they, they make some cuts um, at the back and up front and you know, hopefully realize that if you're going to play one striker, you know, you don't really need to carry four of them, all of them on good wages. And and it's tough because a guy like Robbie Keane's got years to run his contract. He's got, uh, you know, he's a decent wage. He's, he's been he's been a club captain and so on. But I, I think what, what the next step for Spurs is to make the squad a little bit more rational. Um, but beyond that, I, I think they're actually in pretty good shape. I see. I, I sort of disagree. I sort of think it, it could be potentially a really big disaster if Spurs don't finish in the top four again. Because suddenly they become a team that they're, they're, they're already over-blessed. I accept your points going through each player individually, but I think on, a, on the whole they are over-blessed with talent. Talent that's getting a bit annoyed that it's it's not playing. They're not playing as often as they would like. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult juggling game there. If they don't qualify for the Champions League, who on earth would join Tottenham? And the only way you establish yourself as a big four club is to constantly be a club that's a buying club and one that can let go those players that just don't quite make it. And you can afford for several years not to even try and win the Champions League. But the fact that you've, you're in the Champions League, you can build up and build up. So you reach a point where you're strong enough to say, well, this year we can try and we can try and go for it. Ben, you're nodding. No, I'm with you, Alison. I, I agree. I, I think I don't see the point of being in the Champions League, having a couple of great victories and bowing out, you know, after a season. I, I think Tottenham, if they want to become a top four club and break into that elite, they, they do need to stay in, in the competition for more than one season. And uh, Although it's difficult to admit at this stage for Harry Redknapp, maybe he has to say, we're not going to, maybe we're not going to win the Champions League this year. It's more important that we we get back in next year for more nights like this so the, the fans see see more fantastic sides coming to White Hart Lane so the players in Europe realise who we are and want to come and play for us that's a very difficult thing to do and uh, and I think Tottenham you know I think if they're honest with themselves they'll probably admit they, they can't win the Champions League this year but next season they want to be back in there and I think that's far more important for, for the club and for the future of the club I, 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 don't, I mean I, I, I'm sorry I probably disagree with you guys I don't I mean I think Spurs are in a bit of an unusual situation in the sense that um, if you know they don't need to be a club that's in the Champions League every single season to, att- to attract talent um, because 
they're in a, a fine financial situation as with regards to, to, to foreign players um, while Tottenham's not Arsenal or Chelsea it's still uh, an attractive place for, for, for foreign players to come to because well just by simply by virtue of the fact that they're in London and and people have heard of them and uh, and if they make a, a run in, in in the Champions League um, I, I think the the reputation uh, of the club will only go up people know it's a it's a well-run club people know it will probably continue to be a well-run club even after uh, after Harry's gone and uh, and you know and, and and they have the young players there I as I said I think the the key thing is how they restructure their squad in the summer and whether you know in doing so they can generate you know maybe maybe some income or, or, or some savings which will allow them to sign the you know two or three players that will help them kick on another level but you know being in the top four in the Premier League is actually not really the the be all and end all because the fact of the matter is you know you, you've got I Two really outstanding teams. You've got you've got Arsenal are always up there. You've got City. You've got more money than, than anybody. You've got Liverpool. At some point, will make a comeback. And you know you, you really have a top six for, for for four places. I'm talking you know structurally in, in, in the medium term. And and I think Spurs have to be realistic about that. Are they Ben? Can they be realistic about Bale? I mean, you could you could the the, the two scenarios I put at the beginning. You could have about Gareth Bale. One is oh we we definitely now know how to how to mark him. Phil Neville's done it. Steinson's done it. Just because Inter Milan decided to ignore him doesn't mean everyone else will as well. I mean, could that could that night against Inter be be it? Could the the fireworks now just be quite quite low key? I think for a player like Gareth Bale, he he will now know that. He is one of Europe's most prized young players. And with that in mind, he will want to play and have nights like that for the rest of his career. If he's not going to be playing in the Champions League, I think it would be naive to think he would leave immediately. But if that was to happen season after season, you'd have to you'd have to think that not only would it be easier for clubs to come in and, and take him away from Spurs, but that he'd be questioning his future and wondering whether he's at the right club. I mean, don't... I accept, Gab, that it, the top four isn't be-all and end-all, but for a player like Gareth Bale, he wants to be in the Champions well, League, doesn't he? I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm sure I'm sure every player wants to be in the Champions I'm sure Chris Gunter wants to be in the Champions League too. But, you know, let's also be realistic about, about Gareth Bale and, 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 and about Spurs. You know, he's alternated very good performances with, with other performances which weren't as good. And so far we've written him off by saying, oh, look, there wasn't Rafael outstanding against Gareth Bale. Wasn't Phil Neville outstanding against Gareth Bale. Wasn't Greater Steinson outstanding against Gareth Bale you know when when all these you know right backs are all outstanding against Gareth Bale then you know maybe you wonder uh, you know whether maybe Gareth Bale sometimes has a, has a game off as well um, he was very good against Inter uh, um, I thought Spurs were as a team top to bottom he's an exciting prospect but you know this is the same Inter Milan who uh, on Saturday night against a newly promoted side like like Brescia drew 1-1 at home and, and with a dubious penalty and, and deserved probably to lose the game you know this is an Inter Milan where, where we're playing very, very badly right now. Um, you know, it's this idea that you know Bale is somehow Leo Messi all of a sudden, and uh, and and you know he's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to be a pain in the butt if he doesn't get Champions League football and and a top top team. I don't think that's the case. I think Bale is is a very talented uh, uh, young player who who who's willing to to grow with Tottenham Hotspur right now, and as long as he feels that Spurs are going in the right direction, I I think he's willing to bide his time a little bit. I don't think. You know, I think Levy's got other problems right now than worrying about hanging on to Gareth Bale. I know I'd agree with that, but I think it, if if Tottenham Hotspur aren't aiming to be a Champions League club season after season after season, then then a player like, like Bale, whether he is a world beater now or not, will begin to question his future. Right. Yeah, but- well, yeah, yeah but. Let- 
let's let's wrap this up with where will okay years end of the season where will Tottenham finish in the league and will Gareth Bale be a Spurs player in two years time Gab I think Tottenham will finish sixth fifth maybe and um, I, I I think Gareth Bale well two years time is in is an eternity in football but I think a lot's gonna uh, is gonna depend on uh, on what happens uh, when Redknapp's done Ben uh, I will say Tottenham will finish fourth and uh, I do see Bale still being there in two years time oh I think they'll finish seventh and Bale be gone <laughs> Right, now it's time for the panellists to get off the fence. Give a straight answer to the week's big stories. Gab, Mario Bad Boy Balotelli produced a caricature of his reputation against West Brom. Is this exactly what you expected of the former Inter striker? Okay, first of all, he's not Mario Bad Boy Balotelli. He's a good boy, as he's told us many times in the past, and, and he's actually Super Mario Balotelli. Yeah, I think you saw the, the you saw the good and the bad. You saw a guy who gets wound up in certain situations and had bad and has bad reactions, but also a guy who's a tremendous talent, and that's why people uh, have gambled so much money in in wages and transfer fee on him. Ben, you wrote rather poetically about Blackpool in the game today. Are you in love with Ian Holloway? Aren't we all? I think uh, you, you kind of have to be. I think really, he's uh, he's such a likable character, and, and he's he's really moulding a team that's playing very likable football at the moment. Um, you know, they've got a lot of fans, and they're, they're kind of becoming people's second team. And I think you have to give them a lot of credit for trying to play football the right way, and trying to keep a, a team that many people thought weren't good enough to stay in the Premier League in the league. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> that was your initiation, Ben. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Gab has to blow a raspberry at somebody. All oh, right, thanks, Gab. No, the thing is, answers are to be kept to 25 seconds. Oh, I, didn't realize. Beyond Sorry. That, I didn't realise. Undisciplined. I didn't realise. Like Arsenal. Yeah, I know, I know. All right. Gab, did we see in his two goals for Sunderland why Asamoah Gayan could win the FIFA Ballon d'Or? Um... And no, I hope not, and I hope he doesn't win it because you know he's a nice guy, but he's not—he's not at that level, uh, certainly not yet, and probably may never get there. Uh, uh, I thought he did well; he did well to, to, to win to win the penalty as well, and the second goal was, was was taken well. But you know, this is a player who's had a lot of ups and downs in his in his admittedly uh, young career, and uh, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, Darren Bent is Sunderland centre forward, and he, John for now, is on the bench. Ben, do Liverpool need a director of football strategy? Does anyone? I think it's the right move for Liverpool. It's away from the boot room and that's going to be difficult for people to come to terms with. But financial fair play regulations coming in, there's a lot of talk about money ball and buying young players at the right price. I think it's the right move. Gab, will money keep Tevez in Britain or is he becoming increasingly homesick? Well, I think this is a tricky one because there are reasons why um, I have to be a little careful here why Tevez goes back to um, Argentina and why he's got some issues off the pitch. But I, I think however sort of you know unhappy and, and grumpy he, uh, he, he seems to be uh, uh, away from football, um, the fact of the matter is when he's on the pitch, he, he usually plays very, very well. And, uh, and of course, has been a, a key part to, to City this season. Ben, United were relatively poor, but if Wolves were heroic, Ferguson's team can't have been that bad, can they? I think a win is a win after a Champions League game. I think Mick McCarthy probably deserves a lot of credit. He's had a really tough few weeks, big games. They played well in every one. So, no, they weren't that bad. Alison, one for you. 
Jared Houllier and John Carew are squabbling in an unseemly fashion. What will the outcome be? I can't believe anything other than Houllier will dump Carew. Um, his contract expires in the summer. You cannot, as a player, and I, I understand Carew stands by all that he said to the Norwegian press. He's called Houllier unpre- unprepared to take over at Villa. You know, failing to understand how just how great a player Carew and his colleagues were in what they did before Houllier arrived. You can't do that, so he's got to go. Even if it's Jared Houllier and you're speaking truth to power, you're speaking what? Carew <laughs> is speaking truth to power. He's saying it like it is. He's not conforming to the dung heap of gutless conformity, which goes and praises this man forever because of that bizarre those five trophies he allegedly won at Liverpool. Well, it's not. It's not how you establish a career with a new manager, though, is it? Well, his contract is expiring anyway. He's going to be gone. They're not going to renew his contract anyway. Well, I know. I, 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 I mean, it's ridiculous. Both both blokes have talked about respect and disrespect, and who'd you rather holiday silly. with, Carew or, or Julia, Allison? Holiday with? Yes. What sort of holiday? I'd say, uh, um, how about a three-week boating holiday in the Caribbean? Uh, I get really seasick, so I wouldn't go with either. Okay, uh, a, a skiing holiday in, in Zermatt. Um, Julia. Really? Interesting. Ben? <laughs> uh, I'd, go, I'd go Julia, Gab. I think, um, yeah, I'd go Julia. The boating trip, perhaps Julio and Carew are the ones that need to go on that one. <laughs> Thanks for listening and for your company. Go to thetimes.co.uk for all your news, gossip, analysis and our very special web chats, including Gab's, which is every Monday. And if you didn't feel you heard quite enough from Ollie Kay, you can hear his web chat every Wednesday. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.